0: And welcome to The Daily Weekly. I'm Jennifer Meir, your host this week, and I'm here with Colin Beresford. Thanks for joining us for the third episode of the semester. Now Colin will discuss the state of the state with Daily Staff reporter Riley Langfeld, in addition to Joe Biden's visit earlier this week, which Riley also covered.
1: Thanks, Jen. I'm Colin. I'm here with Riley Langfeld. This is Riley's first semester as a government beat reporter, but he's already covered some big big events, including the State of the State Address and Joe Biden coming to campus early this week. So, Riley, what did you think of Joe Biden? How was the event and what did he talk about?
2: Uh, the event was fantastic. Joe is extremely folksy and charming, you know, just like uh, you always see on TV and everything. Um, he shared a lot of his uh, a lot about his own personal experiences with his, the death of his son Beau uh, in 2015. He actually talked very little about policy or current American politics, and it was largely focused on his own, his personal experiences. Did he talk
1: at all about how he regrets not running for president?
2: <laughs> he uh, <laughs> well, he didn't talk that much about the 2016 election, but uh, the moderator actually briefly prodded him about his 2020 ambitions. And uh, like he has at a lot of events this year, he remained pretty coy about that. Um, and he kind of redirected the conversation back to, you know, the Biden cancer initiative and a lot of the other work he's done since his son died. Um, but yeah, again, he didn't share very much about his plans or his any regrets that he might have from 2016.
1: So I know that last semester he was supposed to come, but he canceled because of snow. Um, how do you how did the crowd receive him? Like, what did they think of him?
2: Um, well, they gave him a pretty... Uh, pretty, pretty good welcome, I'd say. Uh, Jim Harbaugh came out and introduced him right before he came out. Um, gave him a loud welcome <laughs> and, uh, everybody was pretty responsive to everything that he was saying. He, uh, he's pretty popular around here and that showed in the crowd. Mm-hmm,
1: definitely. So no talk about Trump or anything like that?
2: No, actually I, I was pretty surprised. He, uh, you know, even at the very beginning, he made, a, a brief comment about how we need, uh, you know, respectable leaders and everything like that. And, uh, People, people were cheering, you know, they, you know, they clearly thought that he was talking about Trump, but he, uh, he kind of assuaged those, those feelings and uh, you know, emphasized that he was talking about politics in general. And that was kind of the tone for the entire event. He uh, stayed away very pointedly from any kind of talk about Trump or current politics.
1: Mm-hmm. So I know for the news stories, you talk to people after the event's over. What do people have to say about him?
2: Uh, well, I talked to a few people afterward, I, I talked to a few students actually, and they uh, they all seemed, or they all said that they were very inspired by what he was talking about and uh, they a couple of them said that he was a personal role model for them, uh, particularly for his resilience uh, in the face of a lot of tragedy. He's led a very, uh, a, a long and very tragic at times life. He, uh, right after he was first elected to the Senate uh, back in the 70s, his uh, wife and his infant daughter Uh, Died in a car crash. This is actually just weeks after he was elected and uh, He had to deal with that loss for a long time and then uh, just a few years ago his son Bo died of cancer So he uh, again He talked largely about those experiences and his experiences dealing with loss and helping others deal with loss and I think that the audience in general and especially students were uh, particularly inspired by his optimism and that's a, a very a very clear trait when you see Joe Biden talk uh, he's a very positive guy, and it uh, I think it means a lot to people to see someone who can be that optimistic in the face of such tragedy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I know a couple of weeks ago you went to Lansing also to cover uh, the State of the State Address, Governor Schneier's last, actually. Um, what did he talk about in that?
2: Uh, well, the address was, I would say, was broadly retrospective. Um, he talked a lot about how the state of Michigan has changed during his, uh, well, seven years so far as governor. Mm-hmm. Um, he reflected a lot, especially on uh, economic change. As re- when he was taking office in uh, 2010, we were kind of at the uh, apex of the recession, and Michigan was doing uh, pretty poorly economically. And he emphasized a lot of the uh, economic programs that he and uh, legislators in Lansing have put into place over the last seven years, and uh, talked a lot about how uh, more people are coming into Michigan now. There's a lot. Uh, there are new jobs. Um, he he touched on a lot of issues, but I think uh, economic growth was the primary message that he was trying to convey through the speech.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so over this past year, I know that Amazon has been looking for a place to move their headquarters, um, and recently they came out and said that Detroit wouldn't be an option because Detroit doesn't have the talent they're looking for. Did he address that at all in the State of the State address?
2: Uh, any talk about Detroit or Amazon was conspicuously absent from that speech. Um, I would say, you know, he probably ha- he had very little time pre- to prepare to talk about something like that, as that announcement was only uh, like two or three days before uh, the State of the State um, and I think that, in general, he he was making a very clear effort to keep uh, talk positive through the entire speech. He didn't dwell a lot on any kind of uh, shortcomings that were present throughout his uh, administration. He only, t- uh, he only touched very briefly upon uh, the F- Flint water crisis. I believe at one point he said that changes in the state recycling program over the last few years were one of the biggest failures of his administration, and I would imagine that uh, a lot of Michiganders would disagree with that statement. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think they might. Um so this was your first big event as a government beat reporter. What'd you think of it? How was how did it go for you?
2: I uh I really enjoyed it actually. I'd never been to Lansing or or any kind of state capital or anything like that and it was uh it was really impressive just, you know, my surroundings in general being there. Um the buildings and the, you know, the massive committee rooms that we were sitting in and all the journalists and representatives and uh bureaucrats, it was it was a bit overwhelming at first, honestly, but it was uh, it was a fantastic experience, and I'm, it got me really excited to report on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it sounded like an incredible experience, and we'll see what comes out of the next year. But thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Pleasure to be here.
0: All right. Thank you, Colin and Riley. Uh, This week, the Statement magazine collaborated with Michigan in Color for its issue. The issue features one piece entitled Dear Future Michigan in Color Editors, which was initially published in 2014 by Mike's founding editors. The other pieces uh, feature the incredible work and accomplishments of former editors, as well as their advice for the future cohort of editors. So definitely check it out. You can find uh, all the content online uh, if you don't pick up a a print copy, which are still available. Um, With regard to news content, uh, on January 22nd, a representative of Procter & Gamble uh, gave a lecture at Ross. The event took a turn, though, when students began asking questions about Tide Pods, which have recently become a popular meme. Ross students were told their inappropriate behavior could jeopardize Ross's relationship with the multinational corporation. In other news, on Monday, the Latinx Alliance for Community Action uh, Supporting and Advocacy uh, La Casa, which is the umbrella student group representing the Latino community at the university, released a list of demands to the administration outlining ways the university can support Latino students, faculty, and staff. Uh, Finally, on Tuesday, Students Allied for Freedom and Equality held a teach-in to discuss the alt-right's affinity for U.S. support of Israel and criticism of the Israeli government. Jewish students, in response, took part in a counter-event to discuss if equating Zionism with Nazism is a modern version of anti-Semitism. So that's all for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to tune in next week. And special thanks to Ryan Cox and Avery Friedman for producing this podcast.